0: episode is airing on Tuesday, June 28th, 2022. Hello, everyone. This is Shannon, and I am here with another Tuesday morning episode, an author interview, and of course, the week's new releases. So the interview that I'm going to share with you is one that I did with author Jen Frederick, and we'll be talking about her novel Soulmates. So this is the second book in a duology and I highly recommend you pick it up. So, let's dive right in here, going to get us started with the housekeeping information. Then we'll move right on into the interview and then on to new books. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. Podcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am speaking with author Jen Frederick about her latest novel, Soulmates, which is scheduled to release here in the U.S. on January 25th. Jen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: You are so welcome. I would love it if we could start out with a brief introduction to Soulmates so that listeners will know a bit of what to expect.
1: Soulmates is the second book in a duology about a Korean adoptee who uh, discovers through a DNA um, matching leak, uh, database leak uh, who her Korean his father is. I I actually think that you can read Soulmates on its own. I think think it was PW, Publishers Weekly, that indicated that they felt like you could read it on its own. And I did try to make it so that if you didn't want to read Heart and Soul and just wanted to read Soulmates, you wouldn't be too lost. So the story uh, picks up where it left off on soulmate or heart and soul uh, and features the uh, our protagonist Hara Hara Wilson starting her job at her birth mother's corporation in uh Seoul, Korea. And she doesn't know much of the language. Uh she's unfamiliar with the customs and She's also what they call a uh, nepotism hire, of course oh yeah <laughs> she's put in the she's put in the international marketing department to to review the English translations of their marketing materials um, but the people there, particularly the two women that she works with, are pretty resentful of her position um, since she didn't earn it and she's very aware of this and uh, she struggles with integrating uh, into the workforce, dealing with her birth mother's distaste for the relationship that Hara has with her stepbrother, and trying to decide whether this place which she thought would be a home for her uh, is where she can make a future
0: for herself. So what kind of inspired you to write this particular duology? Well, I'm a
1: Korean adoptee myself. And to be honest, I never thought that it was a story that I would be allowed to write. And, and by that, I mean, I just didn't think that there would be a market for this type of story. But things have changed, I think, in the last you know f- five years and Korean culture has become more and more popular I attribute a lot of that to the uh, pop band BTS. And I think because of that, uh, that people are more interested in Korean culture and Korean stories. And I I also think like the world is getting a little smaller. If you, you know, that's not just Korean um, dramas that are becoming popular on Netflix, but there are, Spanish language dramas and uh, Finnish dramas and Norwegian dramas and things, uh, German dramas. So I think that our world is becoming smaller and people are are broadening their horizons on what uh, um, places and stories are intriguing to them.
0: So can you kind of talk a little bit about how it was to write a story like this for you, like something that you didn't necessarily think there would be a market for, and, and somehow now you, you're able to, um, did it feel kind of like refreshing to you or did it turn out to be more difficult than you might've expected? Like just how, how was that experience?
1: I think there's both sides. You know, I'm a Korean American and I've only visited Korea twice and my language skills are very limited as well. So I'm an outsider, obviously, writing about a culture that I've experienced on a small scale, and as much as I was trying, you know, as much as I did a research and talking to Native Koreans, and my hope was that I would portray Seoul, particularly since that's where she is, this, that's where the setting is, with as much respect. Um, that I could. Um, I also, I have a, a podcast recording uh, set up with another author and um, I was reading her book in preparation for that. And one of the things that she talked about in her book, which I really related to her uh, protagonist, it's called 30 things I love about myself. By oh, Raiza I'm so excited for this one. So I think her son Sagani. Um her protagonist, Nina, is a writer, and she starts to write about race and One of the accusations that she gets is from another uh, um Indian uh, saying, You know you don 't represent what everybody else feels, and you know the Nina, the protagonist was says in her own thought process that she wasn 't trying to represent you know what other all other brown girls feel. And so I related to that quite deeply because when I was writing Soulmates and Heart and Soul, I was not trying to represent all of Korean adoptees. Everyone has a different experience. And I actually know quite a few other Korean adoptees and their um, mindset toward their own adoptions and meeting their birth families really varies from person to person. But After Heart and Soul came out, I really received so many sweet messages from adoptees, and um, that was really heartwarming.
0: I am so glad to hear that you've had some positive responses. I think, you know, often people worry about writing stories that deal with sensitive issues because they don't want to be accused of trying to represent, you know, everybody, when obviously that's not something that one person can do.
1: Yes, that's exactly right.
0: So does the story wrap up then at the end of Soulmates, or will we be visiting um, these characters again in, in future books?
1: It definitely wraps up, and I'm happy to say that the there was some concern at the end of Heart and Soul that it wasn't a fulfilling romance. And it's true, there's... uh a bittersweet ending um to heart and soul but that's the way i had to write it because it was just too much of a story to fit into one book and my editor was very gracious to uh, allow me to tell the story over two but i think that for romance readers they will be satisfied by the ending i had a lot of fun writing the ending and uh, i don't want to give it away but um the the characters that I got to uh, write about, I felt like I gave them a good resolution.
0: So would you consider this to be then like a contemporary romance duology or would you call this more women's fiction? Like, how, how are you categorizing this particular duology?
1: I mean, I think it's a romance, but the, but with all stories about romance, there are... Uh, other complications, um, external forces and when it, when you write a romance, there's internal conflict and external conflict and in the this duology, I felt like most of the conflict to their relationship was external mm-hmm. um, and 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 so I don't know if that for other romance readers would how they would view the story um, and whether they would categorize it as a romance but I would categorize it as a romance as it is about the love relationship between Hara and Yuzhun and how they achieve their happy ever after.
0: The kind of evolution of romance has intrigued me for years. Like when I first started reading the genre as like a teenager in the early 90s i feel like there were very specific things that were written about in contemporary romance and it didn't really go much beyond that now i feel like you're able to explore so many more things so many more aspects of your characters and it can still be a romance it doesn't have to you know solely focus on the romantic relationship to be considered a romance and i think for me i've i've kind of taken to that change and having kind of the deeper, more involved stories. I think there's
1: room in the market for all of those. My opinion for romance has always been does it end in a happy ever after for your two main protagonists and my story falls into that definition. took two books to get there, but I still think it's a romance.
0: I'm always very, very excited when you get something that does kind of stretch out in that way. You know, you can sink into the first book and then move into the second one. And it's this, you know, kind of extra long story that you're not, you know, you don't feel rushed as you're reading it. It's just a very nice experience to sink into this kind of longer book even though it's, it's split into two.
1: Yeah, it's like I said, I think that there are books that are quick reads. You know, there are people who specialize in writing the novella or the lunchtime read. And there are people who are really good about writing long series with individual couples like Nalini Singh, I think is an amazing author. Yes. who Who does that so well. And then there are, um, you know, someone like Nora Roberts under J.D. Rao who has the continuing arc of the romance of even work spanning, I don't know, is she on 30 books now for that series? I mean, it's really remarkable. So, oh, 54, gosh, I'm really behind. (laughs) So, so um, I think that there, there are, different types of uh, series and um, writers to fit into every person's um, reading uh, habits these days. Like sometimes you just want that quick read because you're really busy, but you want to read the resolution uh, of, a, of a romance in a, in a short amount of time. And there are some times where, you know, you want to favor something over a longer period of time. And I hope that, you know, heart and soul and soulmates is that sort of type of story that you can read and over a longer period of time and enjoy a deeper journey into the characters and the, the lives that they, uh, they lead. Um, I, you know, it was especially fun to write about soul and have that setting it was a challenge to write about the language there and have it be um, accessible for uh, English-speaking readers. Uh, we had, in the editorial process, some discussion about how much explanation would, should be given for Korean words. And, you know, uh, there's lots of different romanization rules for Korean words. And um, so those sorts of some unique challenges in writing that.
0: So you're talking um, a bit about, you know, kind of the ways in which romance can fit into so many categories for so many different people. So when you sit down to read something just, you know, because not for research purposes or anything, but just to read a good book, what would your sort of ideal book be?
1: I mean, it varies. You know, if I'm in a very busy period of time, you know, a novella is a good read. Um, And if I'm on vacation, you know, I want to read a longer book. Um, Sometimes when you're researching, uh, you're reading nonfiction books. And those have a different type of reading pattern, too. Like for me, I don't read nonfiction books in one sitting. I often read them like a couple chapters at a time. Whereas with a fiction book, it's hard for me to put it down. I really want to know what happens next.
0: So, do you have like particular subgenres of romance that you are particularly drawn to, or do you kind of read all over the map?
1: Um, I read all over the map. Uh, I used to read almost solely romance books, but um, probably within the last five or six years, I started reading a lot outside the genre, and I actually probably read more um, nonfiction and um, mysteries and just regular fiction books than romance. And I think it's helped to refine my own
0: writing. Have you read anything lately that you really loved that you think the world should know about?
1: Um, I think the last book that has really stuck with me was Where the Crawdags Sing" by Delia Owens.
0: Oh, I yeah, think, I read that a few years ago.
1: Yeah, it's an older book, but I hadn't read it when it came out and um it popped up on a recommendation list on my um book app and so I started reading it and uh the sample was intriguing enough to lead me to buy it and that yeah that's the last one that I read that I that I still think about
0: i actually um listened to that as an audiobook back i think in like 2019 Um, And I was just really taken by by her prose and just how how well it was brought to life um, in audio.
1: Oh, I can see that it would be a great audio.
0: So this particular series of yours, Speaking of Audio, is available in audio. And I'm wondering um, how involved you were in that process. Like, did you get to pick your, your narrators or. Did you kind of just leave it to the publishers to do those things? How, how did that audio process go?
1: Uh, I left it to the publishers and they presented me with uh, some samples. I really loved the narrator. I thought the, they picked a perfect person for this um, and she did a spectacular job.
0: I think narrator choice is so important for audio. I think, you know, you can have a great book and if it's not read well, then it it detracts from the story. And so I'm always so happy when it seems like there's that perfect match between narrator and book. Like the narrator just seems to intuit the way the book needs to be presented.
1: I agree. I think the narrator can make or break a story. There, I'm not going to name any names, but there is a romance series that I really love. And the narrator is just, it doesn't, the narrator doesn't fit for me. Uh, The narrator is too slow. And I even remember I sped up, like, you know how you can fiddle with the speed and play it at like 1.2 or 1.5? and i even fiddled with that and i still felt like this person was so slow and <laughs> it was i couldn't make it through the the first book and it was really disappointing because i loved the series i thought oh this will be great on audio so that was disappointing
0: <laughs> so then did you kind of go back and read it again like in print since the audio didn't no but i uh, didn't work for you
1: no cuz and and that's interesting i don't do you often read books um, that you've uh, already heard the audio to
0: or vice versa? So my situation is a little bit different because I'm blind. so everything okay. that I read is spoken to me in some way, whether it's an ebook that is read to me by a speech synthesizer in my iPad or whether it's an actual like audiobook with a human narrator. So whether I choose to have, you know, a, an actual person read it or this kind of computerized voice, um, it is, you know, kind of the same experience because it's all kind of done by by listening just in terms of like in what way that audio is presented.
1: So sometimes I'll read the when I listen to the book first, and, and I've never, so if I I listen to an audio and I've never read the book. You know how audio takes uh, a long time. So like an audio book is sometimes 30 hours. Yes. So that, yes, that's going to take, <laughs> so take me a couple of weeks to finish it. Cause I usually listen to audio if I'm walking or um, if I'm driving to work. So commuting and I'll f- stop and read, um, if I if it's really good and I want to know what's happening, then I'll buy the book and read what uh, read ahead. Oh, uh huh. Um, so that's kind of a, a privilege for me, obviously. Otherwise, I won't. Um, most of the time, like I listen to a lot of nonfiction on audio, which I guess are almost podcasts <laughs> of sorts. Yeah, kinda. But, um, uh, So I listen to nonfiction, and those are easier to turn off, so to speak. Um, But like a fiction book, especially a mystery, if it's a really good audio, I am unable to help myself, and I'll have to go and buy the book so that I can finish reading it. (laughs) And then sometimes I don't even go back and finish the audio.
0: So I learned going through high school and college, having to listen to books that were either read, you know, by volunteer readers or just, you know, by companies who record textbooks into audio. If I wanted to ever be able to keep up with like what I was supposed to read, I learned very quickly that speeding up that audio was the way to go. And so (laughs) I read everything now at about three times the normal speed. Okay. Just because. You through it a little faster. I do. Because it's now if I listen to it at normal speed, I, I feel like it's just like dragged out. Like the words are coming so slowly, even though I know that's not actually happening. It feels very slow to me because most of my life I've been reading at this, you know, great rate of speed so that I could keep up with, you know, I was a, a psych major in college and you had all these chapters on, you know, various theories and the people who would read them, it would be just sort of like slow and ponderous. So I learned that speeding these things up uh, was a remarkable thing. And by doing that, it makes it really hard now if I try to read at like a more, more normal traditional speed. <laughs> That's so
1: interesting. I'll have to try that. You know, nonfiction books would be a good um, good for the speeding up because it's not so much of a, a dramatic reading as a more of a factual reading.
0: Yes. I would say, you know, start slowly. Like a lot of people will speed up to like, you know, 1.5. Um, You know, if you go like right to three, um, you know, you might struggle to to understand everything and you will feel like you're like, you know, speed reading in in a way that's a little bit uncomfortable.
1: (laughs) I think you've trained yourself to pay attention and listen at that speed. I think you're right. 1.5 is probably the fastest I've ever listened to anything. Um, And that was related to the one story where the narrator was just so slow.
0: Well you know everything talks like my computer talks to me, my phone talks to me, my iPad talks to me, so it it has to speak you know somewhat quickly, otherwise, I would never get anything done. So yes, I'm definitely used to listening to things at that high rate of speed where it feels it feels awkward when it's not like that. When they were first recording things on tape, they had it so that if you sped up the tape, it would make it sound like the chipmunks. It was this really like high-pitched, weird kind of voice. Fortunately, now it doesn't do that because we don't use cassettes, you know, in the same way now. And so now I can speed it up without making everybody, you know, sound um, really, really high and creepy.
1: Right. The audio distortion is much lower these days.
0: Yes. Well,
1: that's good. That's really great.
0: I, I prefer it. Cause you know, the, the chipmunk thing, like it was doable, but it was also really, really distracting. Like you're reading a nice, you know, sexy romance and everybody's talking in this like super high register and you're just like, no, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this doesn't work.
1: That could really affect adversely affect your appreciation for the
0: story yes yes it, it's much better when it doesn't have to be like that so now that soulmates is in the world and people are are almost in the world now that we're recording this um what do you kind of have in store for people next
1: um i'm working on a couple of different stories and uh actually writing and both of them kind of at the same time, just a little bit each day. I haven't, there's a one particular story that I really love, but I haven't really figured out the ending yet. And so okay. I don't know where I, I'm hoping that as I write it, the ending will come to me. Uh, so far it's been very elusive <laughs> and, um, but I'm going to plug toward that uh, end goal. I'm, I'm really into revisions. Like for both Soulmates and Heart and Soul, I rewrote the book almost entirely. Because once I got to the end of the story, like for Heart and Soul, I knew where I wanted to end. Um, Even though that ending uh, wasn't the traditional romance ending, I felt like it had to end at at this particular point in order for me to tell the rest of the story. But I didn't know exactly where book two would end. And when I got to the end of book one, Heart and Soul, I realized that I hadn't written, especially the middle part and the uh, when she gets the Soul, I hadn't written that appropriately. So I had to go back and rewrite that. Um, Actually deleted so many scenes. And then that was actually true for Soulmates too, is that I wrote... Um, I think I wrote like 70,000 words and I sent it to my editor and I said, I, there, this, this isn't working the way I want it to. And she went back and she's like, you're right. I think your story starts on chapter three. And I went back and I read it and I'm like, oh my gosh, it does start with chapter three and eliminating these first two chapters, um, which I think really told too much of, I I was trying to get readers to not have to read book one and I had too much backstory. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was just too boring. And so I lopped those off and I started with like the third chapter. And once I started with that third chapter, it kind of opened up a whole new pathway of how to get to the end. And so I ended up writing so many more scenes um, that, stemmed from the first chapter and it made the book so much better so I'm really a big reviser I believe in revisions and so I'm hoping with this book this book that I'm currently writing um, because I don't know the ending I'm hoping that if I keep writing that eventually the ending will happen or that I'll get to the end and I'll read everything and I'll realize oh this is how the story is supposed to go.
0: Right. You'll have kind of a deeper understanding then as you kind of know your characters and know their lives, maybe that will kind of help the ending flow a right, little you right. know, out to you.
1: Right. It's just there's a twist to the story and um I can't figure out quite how to make it happen in a natural way. Oh, and yes. so I'm I'm just gonna keep thinking about it. I'm gonna keep writing every day. Uh, people always say, what's your best writing tip? And that's my best writing tip is to write every day. And so I have these two books and I'm just writing a little bit in each book every day. And eventually I'm going to get to the end and I'll have a book then. And (laughs) that's kind of how I am these days.
0: Is it difficult for you to kind of transition from working on one to working on the other?
1: No, because these two stories are so different. I think I don't think I could write two romance stories at the same time. Okay. And because, the, um, because I feel like the characters would bleed too similarly. But these two stories are so different. I feel like I don't have any overlap or confusion between them. I'm writing about two totally different people. And, it, and, it, and so I'm not confused when I switch from story to story
0: excellent because it seems like that could be like really difficult if you know the stories kind of bled into one another yeah
1: I, I actually have a friend who writes like three stories at one time and oh. because she writes this she writes this connected series and so she's writing these overlapping books and she says she almost has to write it that way in order to keep track of everything which makes oh. sense to me, because I think it would be, I th- like, I look at Nalini thing, and I think, how is it possible that you can remember?
0: All these that, like, I can barely,
1: <laughs> right, I can barely remember the n- names of my characters, you know, in, in one book, let alone all these series of characters, and I just think that's really tremendous. So, but, so my one friend who writes these uh, books simultaneously it makes sense because you know she's trying to make them all consistent. Right. But I do admire that she can write each character so differently, right? So she has protagonists for each book and they're also different. They're also unique. And I would think when I if I was writing two romances at the same time I'd really struggle with that.
0: So every yeah
1: every writer has different ways of um, Handling things and no one way is better than the other. You just have to find what works for you.
0: No, I think that's true. That's why there are so many different types of books um, for so many different types of people to read, and of course, you know, for so many different people to write. Well, Definitely. I want to thank you so incredibly much for taking time out of your schedule. This close to your release date, we are recording this um, about two weeks out from when Soulmates will release. Um, before I let you dash off, can you let listeners know the best place to find you online?
1: Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Jen S. Fred. Uh, it's a short, shorter version of my uh, full author name. And then on Instagram, I am Jen dot Frederick.
0: Awesome. And once again, we have been discussing Soulmates, which is book two in the Soul series by Jen Frederick. All right. So the last week of June, and there are some great books coming out this week. I know I always say that, but you can Know that when I say that, it's because it's always true. There may not be tons of great books out each week, but there are always at least some. So I'm going to get started here with some books that you've heard us talk about before. Um, First up is The Girl Who Survived. This is by Lisa Jackson. This is a book that Christine mentioned on our most anticipated releases of June episode. um, Stacy. Is looking forward to the new Stacey Reed. This is A Matter of Temptation. It's a historical romance. She also is excited about The Dead Romantics by um, Ashley Poston. And this is a kind of supernatural ghost themed romance. I am super excited for a debut novel. This is Delhi Wed's Destiny by Tomi Abaro, and Natalia has a couple of books look that she's looking forward to this week. Um, the Second Husband by Kate White, which is a thriller, and The German Wife by Kelly Rimmer, which is a post-World War II um, novel of historical fiction. So these are books that you've heard us talk about before. And now let's move on to some books that we haven't mentioned previously. OK, so sticking with the historical theme for a moment that Natalia gave us with a German wife, I want to mention The Nurse's Secret by Amanda Scanndor. I love Amanda Scanador. She has written some really great historical novels that deal with issues that we don't see as much of in fiction. Um, she wrote a book about a leper colony. Um, she wrote another one about the mission schools that indigenous children were taken to, often against their will. Um, and so this one, The Nurse's Secret, is about the nursing school started at Bellevue Hospital and how this was mostly based on the principles of Florence Nightingale, who was the first person who really took nursing seriously and thought of nurses as more than just sort of grunt work. But in this novel, we have a con artist who somehow manages to get into nursing school and learns a lot of things about the hospital and Society, and I'm just really, really looking forward to this one. So that is the historical novel for today. Moving on now to some romance, we have Seatmates. This is Loveline, book three by Carabas Stone. Um, Stacy and Natalia are both really big fans of Carabas These are Audible Originals, um, they're novella lengths, and this one is about a woman who takes the second to last seat on a discount bus, and this could possibly lead to love. So it's Seatmate, and it's by Cara Bastone. It is the third book in her Loveline series. Next up is American Royalty. This is by Tracy Livesey, And this is a contemporary romance kind of modeled after Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. So if that is a thing that you're interested in, if you like royal romance and you're looking for a little diversity here, I would definitely recommend this. This should be popping into my library as soon as it becomes available Um, I'm expecting it in about three hours. Yay. It's American royalty and it's by Tracy Livesey. We then still hanging on to romance. We have Red on the River. This is a paranormal like fantasy romance in the Sun Sunrise Lake series by Christine Feehan. She does such a variety of stuff from like straight up urban fantasy, like her Carpathian series and her Ghostwalker series to actually like some romantic suspense, thriller esque things with her torpedo ink. But these are fantasy romances. Um, I've heard them compared a little bit to her Drake Sisters series. So this is Red on the River, Sunrise Lake, book two by Christine Feehan. We then have a new book by Carrie Arthur. This is always a good thing. This is Sorrow's Song. It's Lizzie Grace, number nine. This is a wonderful series. I have read the first three or four here, and I definitely plan to finish the series. I think Carrie Arthur does some very fresh new things in urban fantasy, and even the things that she does that other people also do, like they feel very original when she kind of adds her spin to them so this is Sorrow's song and it's lizzie grace book nine by carrie arthur if you are looking for some historical romance julianne long is releasing the fifth book in her palace of rogue series and this is you were made to be mine um, she is best known for her Pennyroyal Green series, which is often compared to Maiden Lane by Elizabeth Hoyt. Um, she's also written some contemporaries that people really love. But I think historicals are kind of the thing that, you know, people will always think of when they hear her name. So Palace of Rogues um, is a little bit different from Penny Royal Green in the sense that like it doesn't seem to focus as much on a community as it does like a small group of people. Stacy has read, I think, the first four books in this series. I have read the first one. I definitely plan to continue. But the fifth one is finally here. This is You Were Made to Be Mine. And it is Palace of Rogues, Book 5, by Julianne Long. Then I'm going to talk about some YA starting with some fantasy. So we have this vicious grace. It's the last Finestra book one by Emily seed. This is about a girl whose power is supposed to amplify the magic of her partner, but instead it has killed three partners. She's had three weddings and three funerals. And she's still a teenager. This does not seem good. But I guess in the society where she lives, you can be married like pretty young. Um, I'm pretty intrigued by this. It's This Vicious Grace, The Last finestra, Book One, by Emily Seed. Then we have Blade Breaker. This is the follow-up to... 2020's Realm Breaker by Victoria Aveyard. If you're familiar with that name, um, you may recognize her from the Red Queen series, which I think the first book in that came out in 2016. Um, it's lots of like political intrigue, lots of court kind of politics, some very cool magic. Um, it's compared like to... Throne of Glass, sometimes I actually really liked Red Queen, but um, Realm Breaker, which is her new series, and it's uh, Blade Breaker is the second book, has kind of a different feel. It's more of like a group of people teaming up to bring down an enemy as opposed to like focusing on a single character the way we did with Red Queen. So this is Blade Breaker, Realm book two, by Victoria Aveyard. We also have some YA contemporaries. This is The Black Girl's Left Standing, and it's by Juliana Goodman. It is the story of a teenage girl who is trying to clear the name of her deceased sister her sister was apparently killed by an off duty police officer and so our heroine is trying to find witnesses to this act because i guess this police officer is you know trying to talk badly about the girl he killed in order to like make it seem like she deserved it um this is compared to the hate you give and it is the black girls left standing and it's by Juliana Goodman. We also have Bad Things Happen Here. This is a young adult thriller by Rebecca Barrow, and it promises to give us dark truths, lethal betrayals, and poisonous secrets. I am here for this. I am looking right now for kind of fast paced, thrillery things to really grab my attention. And this sounds exactly like one of those things. So this is Bad Things Happen Here by Rebecca Barrow. Okay, so I gave you a young adult thriller. So let's move on now to mysteries and thrillers just kind of in general. Um, We have Little Sister. This is DCI, Jonah Sheen, book four by Githa Lodge. I have read the first two books in this series. The first book I love so incredibly much. The second book I enjoyed, although not as much as the first. Um, Jonah Sheen is a police detective in the UK. And of course, you have kind of that thing that we've come to expect, I think, from some UK procedurals where you kind of focus on the one detective, but you also get to know their team a little bit. Think like um, Val McDermid or Angela Marsons, Robert Brinza, people like that. If you enjoy those, then Githa Lodge might be up your alley. This is something that Brooke enjoys, I know. Um, so this is Little Sister, DCI, Jonah Sheen, book four by Githa Lodge. We also have a new book by Lucy Clark. This is One of the Girls. It is about six women who travel to a Greek island for a bachelorette party, and apparently disaster and possibly death ensue. I read a Lucy Clark book for the first time in like 2014, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, she's not an author who gets a ton of attention, but I think she definitely deserves to get more. This is One of the Girls, and it's by Lucy Clark. We then have The Wife Before. This is by Shonora Williams. And it is about a young woman who marries a professional golfer. And she's thinking that this is going to change her life in like some really big, meaningful ways. What she doesn't realize is that these ways might not be good. Like this might not be what she had in mind. I have read one other Shonora Williams book, and it was definitely dark and twisty with characters that you could identify with, even if you didn't always like the way they behaved. So this is The Wife Before, and it's by Shonora Williams. Then we have Harlem Sunset. And this is a historical mystery. It's Harlem Renaissance Mystery Book Two by Nakisa Afia. I loved the first book in this series, which came out last year. Um, These are mysteries set in Harlem during the 1920s, so during Prohibition, with an African-American lesbian as our main character the first book was phenomenal i am so excited that the second one is almost here just a couple more hours and it should be popping into your library and mine Um, these are just so much fun they're full of like all of the atmosphere that you would want in a historical book with like the chills and thrills that you want from mystery with great cultural representation and lbdt rep as well so this is harlem sunset harlem renaissance mysteries book two by nakisa afia and that is all i have for you this week Next week is the first week of a new month, and that means there are lots of great books in store for you all. I hope everyone is staying safe and well and reading in whatever way feels warm and comforting to you if some things going on in the world climate um, are, are distressing to you, as they are to many of us here at Book Bistro if you would like to leave us a rating or a review you can do that on apple podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show not only does it tell us what you think but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book related podcasts Um, it kind of advances us in the google algorithm So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.